Hi, this is Martha Davis from the Motels, and you're listening to 10 Temecula Entertainment Network. Hi, this is Robert Schuler with Melissa's Produce, and you're listening in on Cord Vines and Dye. Why does true love always have to win? It makes me a bit reluctant to begin. Mr. Tom Plant. <laughs> Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday. It's time once again for Chords, Vines, and Dines, and oh boy, do we have a show for you today. I know. You've been <laughs> waiting for this all week. Well, actually, the last month or something, <laughs> haven't you? The past couple of, of weeks, um, we got a, a press release from uh, Georgette Jones Management talking about a new product called Apple Sin Whiskey, and I just said, well, why not see if she'd like to come on the show, and they said absolutely she'd be delighted to, so... Uh, Georgette, if you don't know, is the daughter of, uh, using the word superstar is uh, not exaggerated in any way, shape, or form here, George Jones and Tammy Wynette, who were the king and queen of country music in their, at their peak. And what a nice lady. Uh, oh, She's delightful. Very much. So we also have Tim Kramer, who's with uh, Temecula Valley Winery Management, makes all the wines for Leoness Winery. Also super nice guy. I've known him for uh, many, many years, and your longtime friend, <laughs> Pavel. Pavel, Pavel, Pavel. Oh, my. So uh, I wish I had his energy. Wow. You and me both. And quick. Boy, is he ever quick. He's very quick. But what a talent. He's, uh, you know, been a, a Bono double. That's how I met him. He yeah. was He was at the coach house with his band, and when I first saw him, I thought, are you sure that's not the real Bono? <laughs> of course, now that I know him, I can see, you know. And and it was funny, too, because in the L.A. Times, and I think we talked about it, too, where they had put in cele- celebrities' pictures that, that do a lot of um, charity work. And they put Bono in, but it was Pavel's picture. <laughs> so <laughs> I knew that. Nobody else, would, or very few would know that. Yeah, he tells some great stories, so I won't won't tip our hand and, and give it away. But uh, but he's playing. Uh, his band Desire is playing next Friday at Belvino. At Belvino, they're headlining with uh, Robert Rankin Walker's production or promotion and a Green Day cover and and the OC Cult. Uh huh. And we're going to be there. Yes, we are. We will be there. Sounds like fun. With our cameras in hand. Yes, indeed. Robert always puts on such great. Great he shows. does, and he's such a great guy. Yes, yes, uh, he is. It is time to remind you that Cords, Vines, and Dines has an official produce sponsor. I don't know how many other podcasts can boast that, and uh, our official produce sponsor is none other than Melissa's Produce, melissas.com. Go to them for, uh, I think they have at any given time around 1,500 different types of produce you can order. Recipes, mm. hundreds of recipes. You made that delicious um, mushroom phyllo. Wow. Good that stuff. was good. Yeah. 
So thank you, Melissa. Thank you, Robert Schuler. You got to pick uh, something now to make. That's right. My it's turn. your turn. Yeah, I did the purple potato salad last time, which was very tasty. That was really good. Yes. And I would I would actually offer to do it, but I'm busy because I've got <laughs> a... Um, well, next Saturday, I will be at the Wildemar Elks Lodge wow. for their uh, vendor market fair. So I'll be there with Sassy Mamas. And so if you want to get your sassy on, you come and see me there next Saturday in Wildemar. I highly recommend getting your sassy on. It's a yes. good plan. Let's uh, go on to our visit with Pavel. What do you think? Yes. Hold <laughs> your breath. <laughs> Here is Pavel's Farah. I, I went by Paul for about 25 years in the United States because uh, when we first came to the United States, we had, you know, we had Eastern European names. And... Uh, our teachers anglicized our names. Ah. Uh, most of our names, not all of us, but most of our names. Because there wasn't an equivalent, like my sister, Yuff Rosina. There's no equivalent of Yuff Rosina. And so many people just called her Angie. And like, Angie? You know, fucking name um, Angie in Eastern Europe. So, so I went by Paul for about 25 years, and that's what stuck. And so... Um, my mom died in 1995, and uh, I, I found myself in a very discombobulated place in my life, and I ended up just um, ended up just just sticking with my birth name, and that's what happened. And Pavel is the name on my passport, name on my green card at the time, my name on on uh, social security card. Actually, it was not on my social security card. You're gonna love this. My father spelled. My name, um, P A V E L, but the way he spelled the P was a circle with a line down the middle. So people, when I we first came to America, they whoever was working at the Social Security Department, uh, working at the Social Security Department, um, thought this was a this was a, a mistake of some sort because there wasn't a U next to the, the Q. So they spelled my name on my green card Q-U-A-V-E-L. So my, so my, my, my social security card said Quabble. <laughs> I had... I like a lot of my documents had a four different names. Like I was living, I was living an, an alias life, you know, <laughs> at the ripe old age of thirteen. <laughs> wow. uh, you know what? It's whatever. So anyway, that's my name now. Thank okay. you very much. I'll be here all week. Tip <laughs> <laughs> your tip your bartender and waitress. Tip your bartender, right? 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 Yeah, have an IPA. I don't know how to spell IPA, but it's. It's strictly spelled IPA. Anyway, thank you. All right, well, so, I don't know if we're going to use part of this in the interview, or should we just start a formal interview? Or uh, I, I, listen, I, I think all of it should be good, because you know what? It's interesting. Tell compelling stories is what I tell people. Tell compelling stories. Well, That's it. We're, we are here to promote you. Thank and, you. And your your upcoming concert with Robert Rankin. Thank you. Walker. Thank you. And I got to say, I have known you, I don't know, too many years. <laughs> 20, tw about, about 20 years. Wow. No, no. Yeah. This has been that long. 
Yes, we did too. Yeah. 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 I'm sorry. Yes, Kathy, I'm sorry to disappoint you. And it's been that long. What is this, a marriage? How long have you been married? Ah, you know what? I don't know. How long? Right. Can you say it with such an inflection like... Uh, anyway, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> We've had a lot of fun together over the years. Yes, we have. We have. We really have. Right. One yes, thing that comes to mind a lot is the Barry Manilow concert you and I went to. Yes. And, how, <laughs> and this is in my drinking days, and I remember us being a pretty pretty soft. And we saw Barry Manilow, and I swear to God, he had so much Botox, so much plastic surgery. The only thing that was moving was his bottom lip, and that was weird. <laughs> so he was alive forever, but his lip was, his lip, he, he was, he's been alive forever because he wrote the very first song. Yes, he but did. his lip. <laughs> Preceded him being alive because <laughs> it was just bouncing all over the damn place. Well, I know you and I went out for a drink and we were sitting out there at the bar and you both you looked at me and you said, "What are we doing here? We're both rock and rollers." <laughs> right, right. There we are at the Staples Center, listening to and watching Jerry Manilow. <laughs> but you know what, man? It was a fun show. He's good and, and there was nostalgia, so I was pretty happy. Right. It was very good. We got to stick around at at the end. To meet right. his drummer, Russ McKinnon, I believe was his name. And we got to stick around. After the Staples Center was closed, we were all sticking around with my friend Michelle. Right. And, uh, because, we're, because we're groupies. We, we all wanted to, like, we all wanted to put, like, a, like a dime or something on his bottom lip and pull it down to see how high it would slip off like a dining board. Well, but Val, you've got an upcoming concert out here. Yes. On um, uh, June 16th. That's correct. At Belvino Winery. That's and correct. I'm excited because I've not seen you perform in several years now. I've right. I've missing your right. Long time. And you're headlining with a, yes. a Green Day tribute and a cult right. tribute. Right. That is going to be very exciting. I'm planning on yes. being out there. Uh, Tom and I are planning on being out there. I'm going to bring my grandson, Braden, too, because he wants Wonderful. to be Yes, I love Braden. I hope he's well. And will you have a band behind you, or are you performing solo? I will. No, I'm going to have the entire band. So this isn't my original band I've had 20-odd years ago. Um, this is a, These guys are local. My former band has been around for a long time, but they live so far away. And, you know, they're, one of them lived in Victorville. The other one lived in Simi Valley. The other one lived in in Lake Forest, and so getting together and trying to make this all happen, it was really, really complex and complicated. Yeah. These guys have these guys have their own little YouTube tribute band with no singer, but they're just big, dedicated fans of YouTube, and, and they've been asking me to perform with them for years and years and years, and I was like, eh, especially after I got back from Italy touring with a YouTube tribute band. That was extraordinary. And we've done, you know, I've done a 40,000 people show once wow. in the south of Spain. Pretty impressive. But, you know, they weren't always like that. I mean, most of the time they were festivals that, you know, had two or 3,000 people. Uh, Italian festivals, you know. Lovely people they were. Lovely people they were. So, uh, but, uh, you know, um, you know, having a band is work. Having a band is, is complex. Having a band requires a lot of, a lot of attention. You know, so anyway, what's your next question? <laughs> <laughs> Have you started working on overcoming your shyness yet? 
I have, I have. I've gone to therapy, but my therapy involves usually a cup of coffee in the morning and a pair of uh, very thick socks. And I, in, I invented and I trademarked a pair of camouflage songs for men. But it's great because you can wear them at the beach and no one knows you wear them because they're camouflage. <laughs> Okay. Yes. I, I'm getting serious here. When did you realize that you have this this resemblance, this, this really <laughs> resemblance to Bono? I, I'm a, you're not going to believe this, but I don't think I look like Bono. I've been hearing it since 1979. Wow. Right. Oh, yeah. I was 14 years old and Bono was 19. Well, he's five years older than me. Because that's the math I know. That's the only thing I know about math. And that algebra uh, algebra is uh, something you spell but don't actually do. And and so and that's the first time I heard it. Pretty impressive. Um, I didn't think much of it at the time. But when Joshua Tree hit, things changed. And I did it was I was hearing it regularly. Not every day. But I was hearing it regularly enough where it was, you know, something that that I took note of. Um, and then by mid-1990s, I got it very often. Uh, in some cases, people were unaware that I wasn't the real thing, considering that I had a, you know, pickup truck with 180,000 miles on it. Um, you know, but it didn't matter because people believe what they want to believe. By the, mid, by the early 2000s, there was a whole convincing factor. And I didn't have to do anything. It's just that people just assumed I was thought I was even at the swap, you know. <laughs> but yeah, really it's bizarre, you know. So I remember um, I remember going to Universal Studios with you when they when I think it was NBC or one of those Right. Um, we were doing a whole thing on um celebrities and right. and tributes. Right. And walking through Universal Studios with you, the number of people that thought you were right. actually oh, was yes. incredible. Yeah, you know, I gotta say this: not being the actual celebrity, but being assumed of being the, the celebrity. At some point, you become kind of oblivious that people stare and people, you know, gawk, and people, you know, now take out their cameras, their phones, and things like that, and you just kind of go. You just go on. It's like a regular day for me. Uh, but, yeah, Kathy, I remember. It's, that was that was ages ago. I think I was also on the Good Morning America my first time. And, uh, yeah, quite, a, quite an experience. Quite, quite the experience, you know. And so L.A. Times, uh, at one point, I remember this, too, had done an article about celebrities that were using their influence for charity, and Bono was listed, but they put a picture of you instead of Bono yes. on there. Yeah. <laughs> what does that tell you? I would like to say, one, either either whoever found the photo um, was convinced enough that I was Bono, or they were just lazy and didn't care that it came from my website. So... Well, you know, people that probably don't know you as well as I do and many others probably would know that definitely, I mean, I right. knew that with you, but everybody else right. would probably say, oh, yeah, that's definitely Bono. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I've worked for Bono before on multiple occasions, and one recently that I can't talk about because I signed an NDA. Right. 
Um, and there was a, a lovely scene in this just as well where um, I had a video with a line in there and I had to, I had to say something and then uh, when the final video came out it was actually Bono's voice dubbing for me. <laughs> I heard, I remember that. I did see that. Yeah, so yeah. that was, uh, you know, I'm going, wow, that's great. Now how about pay me? Yeah, <laughs> we, we know great. what you're talking about, but we're sworn to secrecy. That's right. Thank you very much. <laughs> now, one thing that I don't know uh, many people know is that you are an accomplished pianist, too. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I, that's very kind of you to say that. Yes, I've been playing piano for a long time. Uh, you know, I want I want to say with some level of humility, I don't think my stuff's all that great. But that's just me. That's just the eternal artist who says, oh, that wasn't good. i got to make a better one. And then you do a better one. You go, oh, that wasn't good. i got to do a better one. Um, and most of the time when I'm performing um, at home um, or on someone else's piano, I've got a few friends who have some, some really, really expensive pianos, um, you know, $80,000, $90,000 pianos. Um, and it... And it, 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 it it transcends me into another place, like music does. When you listen to stuff from, like, let's say, Chopin, or you listen to stuff from, from Brahms or anything from even Mozart, any of these concerti um, or sonatas, you find, you, know, you find yourself kind of lost. You're lost in music, and, and you're just going, this is this melody, the sound waves of this melody is just, it, it's palatable to my, to my being and my presence without sounding too too esoteric here. But when you when you when you play something, that's a very different place than just listening to it. Now you're you're engaging in this, you know, in such a way that you you're the one creating this noise, this sound, this 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 transference of 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 vibration of of waves of energy that that, that create these pitches, you know. So thank you, Kathy. I appreciate it. And uh, my CDs are available at all fine um, record stores everywhere. <laughs> record stores where that's dating you. Yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, my, my CDs are, my digital downloads are available on Amazon, not Amazon, but um, um, what do you call that? On Spotify. But yeah, I don't see any money. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, when I, I first, sold, so, go ahead. When I first <laughs> met you, you gave me a copy of your of your CD and autographed it for me. Wow. Wow. Look at me. Yeah. Look at that. You, you and, must be special because I don't autograph for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am special. That's right. That's right. But these are all your original compositions on there too. Yes. Yes. Except for one is a variation of a tune called um, "The First Time Ever I Saw Your Face" that was made uh, quite famous from Roberta Black. If you remember that tune, it's a lovely tune, and I just I just love the melody, you know, and was grateful to be able to, you know, to um, you know to kind of piece it together and, and. Added to my addition to my music and my CD. So, yeah, thank you so much. Well, I think you're, I, I told you before, I mean, years ago, that I think you should really concentrate on your piano compositions because I think you are absolutely. Oh, that's very sweet. Thank that. you. You know, thank you so much. But I've, I've, I've been on stage for a long time, I've been performing, and I'm under no pretenses that my music is, you know, is the kind of stuff that would. You know, create a following that people will spend 20, 30, 40, 50, whatever of uh, their dollars to have me 
you know, to listen to my stuff for an hour, hour and a half, you know. Um, although it's lovely, if I knew then what I know now, I might have been able to do something. But you know how it is. You, you get into a spot, you just go, nah, I'll just, I'll just play for friends, and I'll have a CD out. If you will buy it, I'll buy it. If not, then that's fine. But, you know, you thank you. I appreciate it. You should have listened to me way back when. <laughs> Listen, man, you know, girl, with all your smarts, which is just vast, I don't even know how the Pentagon hasn't tapped into your smarts. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> You're both legends in your own mind. <laughs> Wait, what mind are you referring to? <laughs> wow, man, you gave me a lot of credit. <laughs> so, but Bell, what's coming up next for you besides the uh, the work at, at Belvino? You got some more concerts? Or, your... I, I, you know, I, so this may happen. I'm not sure it's going to happen, but I, I did a, uh, I did a. I did some work. I can't talk about it in, in, in detail, but I did some work um, for a band out of Ireland. Um, they do rock and roll. I can't tell you their names, um, but there's, but there is, um, there, there was a gentleman that showed up who looks like the guitarist of you of, of two, The Edge, and we became friends immediately. And then recently, I was in. Dublin, Ireland, I'm sorry, I was in London, south of Spain, and in Gibraltar, and we did a show together in, in London, and we remained friends, and so I have a gentleman who owns the Irish Rock and Roll Museum in Dublin, Ireland, as well as the Wax Museum in Dublin, Ireland, Paddy Don is his name, and uh, he wants to bring me and the Edge lookalike out to Ireland for two months, Wow! and do something. So that's, you know, as you probably know, people talk, uh, ideas float around, uh, people brainstorm. And, but it, when it actually materializes, um, that's a different story. So although I love them and respect them, Patty Dunn, um, you know, this may not happen. But if it does, um, I'll be in Ireland, in Dublin, with an edge lookalike creating an absolute scene. <laughs> I, think you need, so, I think you need your own personal paparazzi, me, to tag yeah, along with you. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I've got a lot of person. I got a lot of personality and a lot of, well, let me take that back. I got a lot of personalities. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And so, and so with, uh, with that, um, you know, people, you know, interesting, you, Bono and the S, they don't have paparazzi. They don't really do that. You know, it's interesting. You notice they don't have that. Paparazzis, the people that, that, that buy into paparazzi stuff are, you know, your, your, you know, your, your social media influencer types, you know, um, and a few of the people that got a little bit of scandal, like that, uh, I don't know, you, you see some of these celebrities who do some pretty shady stuff and, you know, um, you know it, that kind of stuff sells. But the Irish, nah. That's not their thing. They have they have some paparazzi, but by and large, U two's never really had uh, that kind of following. You know, where paparazzi um, wants to you know wants to, wants any kind of information from them. And I'll tell you, interestingly, uh, a friend of mine who I did a, a TV show with years ago, as a producer, uh, we just made friends. It was a reality show. It didn't pan out. Um, good thing because it involved uh, other lookalikes and some of them 
um, I'm not fond of. Um, but we were in Beverly Hills, next to the Cosmopolitan, and, you know, right off of uh, Cannon, Cannon Road there, the, right next to right. Rodeo Drive. And there was about a dozen, dozen paparazzi, um, you know, taking photos of me, and they had to keep their distance because like, apparently there's some kind of rule about them. You know, because, of course, they can't just approach celebrities while they're eating and just snap away. They've got to be on the street. You've got to be incognito. About a dozen, and they were there for like about an hour. And as we finished our meals, they were taking photos, you know, rapidly and all this and that. And as I, and as I got cl- close to them, one of the girls says, that's not Bono. <laughs> <laughs> and they all left. <laughs> and I thought it was just like a, a sweet little, a sweet little, not a payback, but one of those, I got you. And how does that feel to be, you know, be duped for giving all these celebrities some grief, you know? You can't, uh, you know, you, you can't give them any privacy. So, so that was kind of fun. That was fun. That's my claim to fame. And uh, that's about it. And as a matter of fact, I think I'm ready to die now. Thank you. <laughs> well, I'm going to be your paparazzi on June 16th out at Belvino. Oh, thank you. Know. Yeah, we look forward Wonderful. to seeing you. Thank here. you so much. I appreciate it. Have you guys been to Belvino yet? Oh, my gosh. We're regulars. Many times. Wow. So that answers yes. All right, great. Tom is um, Mr. Wynormous. He, he knows all the wineries out here. Wow, the Wynormous. Wow, that's a new name. Great. No, uh, I never heard of that. That's, that's an old name. Well, great, John. Created it 15 years ago. That's a wow. good name. Wow, wonderful. That's good for you. You know, I don't. You know, I don't drink anymore. I gave up drinking years ago, and so I don't really go out and sample wines and things. And I miss it, but at the same time, just going, eh, you know, just not my thing. It's been so long since I had since I haven't had anything to drink. Um, I don't even know what would happen if I had anything to drink. You know, <laughs> I'll smell my friend's wine. I'm going, oh, that's a nice smell, but. Um, I don't think I can drive here. No, Your Honor, I just smelled the wine. <laughs> I really just smelled the wine, yeah. So, yeah, this is great. I'm looking forward to breaking bread with all y'all. And, Sounds um, fun. Yeah, it should be fun. And, you know, I want people to know, I, I try to do a fun show, and I really try to encapsulate, you know, a brief moment of you two and of Bono so that people can feel like, oh, this is fun. We know he's a lookalike. We know, we know this is just a... This is a tribute band, but, you know, we're having a good time, and for a brief moment, we'll just kind of play like we're at the real thing. Well, that's how I met so, you. That's right. I, I met you because you were headlining at the coach house. Right, that right. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I totally forgot. I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought you and I had met at the bail bonds place. That's another story, Tom. I didn't want to tell anybody. <laughs> I know. I had to bail you out, didn't I? <laughs> oh, wait a minute. That, that's a reverse role. I had to bail I, you out. I beat you to it this time. <laughs> okay, there you go. All right. Great talking <laughs> with you, Pavel. Thank Pavel. you. Thank you. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you on the 16th. Yes. And I hope uh, anyone who is listening to this show, you know, do come by, have some fun. Uh, there's other really, really good fans that are out there, and I'm approachable. Say hi to me. Uh, not while I'm singing. Don't be an idiot. You know. <laughs> um, um, and, um, you know, enjoy the show. Really, just, just life is really, really about experiences, and, and, and have some fun. Really, just have some fun. 
and and all will be well. All will be well, and then all your dreams will be all your dreams will come true. Wow. Phew. <laughs> A lot of energy there, my friend Pavel. Um, you, one thing I've got to say that you, know, my friends that have known me the longest, call me Kathy, so you'll know. And he calls me Kathy right. all through the through the interview there. That that's who he's talking about. Well, I'm tipped off to that. I've known you long enough that if someone calls you Kathy, I go, oh well, they've known her for a while. For a long time, I don't even know how Cat came about. But that's you are Cat now. I am Cat now. Last half of my life, I'm cat. <laughs> Let's uh, take a quick break and talk about this. Uh, I, I think it's a delightful wine that we have in our glass. It's a 2019 Aster from the Ribera del Duero. And I'd love to tell you what grape it is, uh, but I'm not certain. It's a Spanish wine. And uh, these uh, folks were kind enough to send us four different bottles. So we'll uh, I'll have more information uh, next week on, on the wines from Spain, and uh, what they're promoting is that these are great barbecue wines. Can't you imagine a, a nice burger or a steak with this? Oh, yeah. Yes, definitely. I'm enjoying it just by itself. Yeah, it's <clears throat> it's a very tasty wine. And you it's a, it, as soon as I started pouring it, you went, oh, that's pretty. It's a it's a CSB. Not quite. It's not that dark. Not that not as dark as the last one we had. The Petit Syrah, that's right. This is pretty dark, though. So, Tim Kramer is the uh, Director of Operations, I believe, for Temecula Valley Winery Management. Uh, I first met him at Leoness Winery. He makes all of their wines, and he was one of the first winemakers in Temecula to receive a 90-point or higher score, uh, which is a big deal. And uh, he, uh, I, I'm just going to let us go into his uh, interview because he's uh, an amazing guy, and he's so nice. He and his wife are both very, very good photographers. And, well, you'll know what Temecula Valley Wine Management does. Not very, everybody knows that. That's right. So let's go in and talk with Tim Kramer. I am so very happy uh, to get uh, Tim Kramer on our show. Tim, if you don't know, is, uh, well, you're the head of Temecula Valley Winery Management, correct? Correct. And uh, you've been making wine at Leoness Cellars for how many years now? Wow, uh, this will be the 20th. <laughs> Wow, that's, wow, that is hard to believe, Tim. And, yeah, it's been a while. And I remember uh, we've known each other many, many years, more than 10. Um, yes. You've taken me on a few tours through uh, Temecula Valley Winery Management, which is just an amazing place. And at one time, uh, I think you were making 100 different wines a year, something like that? Yeah, at one time, yeah. It's, it's probably, uh, I would say, at least doubled by now. Wow. That's that's impressive, and not only that the, the 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 quantity, but the quality. Your wines are really extraordinary, and I think you were the first winemaker to uh, get ninety plus points in the Temecula Valley. Correct? I don't know if I was the first, but we've you know we've done it numerous, uh, numerous times with with most of our clients. So that's been something I'm I'm pretty proud of. You you deserve to be proud of that. My my first question for you is: I'm looking out the window now at gray skies. Uh, I was outside today, almost wishing I had a coat on. How is this affecting the grapes? Man, I don't know if harvest is ever going to get here this year, you know? <laughs> it's been such weird weather. Uh, we'll have a couple warm days, and and uh, and then all of a sudden it's, it's like this again. It's cold and gloomy, and 
and rainy. So, um, you know, it just, it really just slows things down. Um, we had that kind of longer extended, uh, winter period. So everything came out a little bit later and, um, you know, we're just behind a little bit, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. Um, you know, a longer growing season is always nice. So if we can prolong a little bit and not get a bunch of heat in the summer that just, you know, we go from zero to a hundred, um, we'll be good. I remember uh, a visit with Jim Hart a few years ago, and it was a, an afternoon, I think in June, and it was 75, 80 degrees, and someone said, wouldn't it be nice if it stayed like this all summer? And Jim went, hell no, the grapes will never get ripe. They'll never ripe, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we want those, you know, temperatures in the 90s and, and those nice warm summer days, lots of sunshine, and, and then like it does here in Temecula, cool off and... and uh, you know, cool everything down at night and then start over again in the morning. So, Well, we know that heat is coming. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, we should enjoy this while it lasts, I guess. So what exactly is the Temecula Valley Wine Management? What, what do you do? So Temecula Valley Wine Management is what's called a host facility. So we host uh, what are called alternating proprietorships. So, for example, you wanted to start your own winery. You don't have the... $10 million or whatever it costs to build a facility, build your own, you know, barrel room and tasting room and, and buy your own equipment and everything. We have that here. And basically the, the philosophy is that the equipment and the space is, is alternating. So that's, that's hence the name, the alternating proprietorship. So you come in, you bring your grapes in, um, we'll help you as much or as little as you want. And, uh, you make your wine here and then you have a, a designated space to store your wine, to keep your records, to goods. Um, so for all intents and purposes, it's your winery, just like Leonas or just like Lorimar or any other winery. It's the same on paper. It's just housed here within our facility. Wow, that's really nice. So, Tim, you, you mentioned that you've been making wine uh, for uh, Leoness for about 20 years. Think back to 20 years ago in Temecula. It's just mind-blowing, isn't it, how it's grown? Oh, I know. You know, I think back even further than that when uh, when I first got into wine in the mid-'90s, and I think there was only 11, 12 wineries, something like that out here. And if you got to Van Rokel, which yeah. is now Avonsol, right. I mean, you were you were way at the end, uh, and unless you went out to Deportola, which there was only, I think, Tilsinger and Keyways back then. Yeah. Exactly. I exactly. moved out here in 1988, so I remember the wineries back then, and wow, it's really, I, I can't believe how much it's changed. It's amazing. Oh, yeah, it's, it is amazing. And like you said, I think it's I been really good was, for the valley. Yeah, there was only like 12 wineries, I think, when I moved first moved out here. And the first one yeah, I went to was Hart and became really good friends with the Hart family. But, yeah. Um, another was, I think, Callaway and then um, Culbertson's. Mm hmm. Yep. Which is now Thornton Which and has been Thornton. for many years. Tim, By the time I got in here, it was, it was already Thornton. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's it, and it didn't grow for a long time. And then all of a sudden, you know, I think it was the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s. Um, you started seeing the South Coast come up and Ponte and Leoness and, you know, it just, before that, Wilson Creek and Stewart Sellers was here then, you know, right. they had just built their facility. So, you know, all of a sudden out of nowhere, you started seeing all these wineries popping up that, um, you know, really put some money and some effort into 
the wines they were making, and yeah, it's been good for the valley. Absolutely. One thing that's puzzled me is, you know, you I think you know I've been around this Temecula wine uh, industry for a few years, and it's just. I, I don't understand why the Temecula winemakers can't agree on an identity for Temecula. I think Syrah is just, it's such a perfect grape for this region, but it doesn't seem like the, the wine growers can come to an agreement on that. Yeah, you know, I, I don't 100% know why. I think, you know, you have some guys that have been here for a while and, and been fairly successful for a long time selling Cabernet Sauvignon and selling Chardonnay and and things in, you know, they, they do okay here, but they're not, they're not, you know, what could be our niche, um, like Syrah or, or, you know, if you're an Italian producing winery, um, you'll say Sangiovese is, is the, is the grape here. Sure. So that's as well here as well. Um, so, you know, I think there's several varieties that you could, we could hang our hat on here. Um, Syrah definitely being one of them, Sangiovese, um, I like the way Cabernet Franc grows here. So it's a little bit all over the board. Um, but I, I definitely agree with you. I think for me, that's that's the one varietal I enjoy making the most. You have so. produced some incredible Syrahs. The Alessandro Vineyard. Uh, Fitzpatrick, is that correct? Uh, we've done Fitzpatrick before, yes. Alessandro. Yeah. And... Uh, um, they're just beautiful wines, Tim. Congratulations. Uh, you should be very Thank proud of yourself. Thank you very much. I just blended the night, or the 2021s um, a couple days ago. So the, uh, we have some exciting things coming out with that vintage. I think um, we're overdue to do a little tasting together, Tim. But well, we should set that up. <laughs> okay. I'm, that, let's do it. Hey, I'm jealous right, that you got good. a tour and I didn't. Well, I think that could be arranged, right, Tim? <laughs> We can work something out, absolutely. <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> absolutely. And I could take a lot of photos, too. I'm a photographer, too, so I'll take a lot of photos. Show what you're doing. When you come into... I'm sorry, go ahead. No, just to show everybody what you're doing out there. What a fantastic job. Thank you. Thanks. And if you uh, yeah, if you come to Winery Management now, it's, it's probably quite a bit different here, Tom. It's... it's uh, it's wall-to-wall barrels. Wow. Well, we'll set that up. And Tim, I just want to thank you so much for your time and, and your friendship. We've known each other a long, long time. And uh, please give my yeah. best to Denise. Thank you. I will. And thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, okay. We'll, uh, we'll be in touch and uh, take good care. Thank you, Tim. All right. You too. Take care. Uh, Tim, you're a great guy. And we're, I'm going to take him up on that offer to go visit uh, Temecula Valley Winery Management. I've been there a couple times, but you haven't. So. No, I'd love to go there and check it out. All right. I'm just picking out a card at random. You're going to ask me something about cooking tools and techniques. So we're gonna we're, we're doing our... Um, the Game of Food. The Game of Food. Did you look at the answer when no, you No, I didn't me even the look card? at the question. Are you ready for this? I don't know. Am I? Wow, okay. <laughs> Southern bakers swear by Southern flour brands like White Lily for superior biscuits. Why? Well, one of my choices. <laughs> no, I'm not going to. Yeah. <laughs> okay, A, Southern flours are ground finer. B, Southern flours taste better. C, Southern flours contain less gluten. Or D, Southern flours absorb more moisture. I'm going to go with D. <laughs> A. 
See, southern flowers contain less gluten. Interesting. Wow, I had no clue. No, that that is very interesting. By the way, did you know that you've been kicking my butt in the game of food recently? Just one time. <laughs> All right, categories, ingredients. Baking powder is a mixture of a mild acid and A, alkaline salt, B, baking soda, C, cream of tartar, or D, monosodium glutamate. Okay, wait a minute. Read that question again. Baking powder oh. is a mixture of a mild acid and A, alkaline salt, B, baking soda, C, cream of tartar, or D, monosodium glutamate. I'll say C. You would be... Oh. It's baking soda, B. Oh, yeah. I... I <laughs> You what? I should have known that. I should have known it right off. All right. Are we going to do another one? You want to do one more? Yeah, let's do one more. All right. You're going to ask me about people and pop culture. Um, <laughs> this is this is an interest. Another interesting one. Okay. Um, what job did Richard? Montanez have at Frito-Lay when he invented Flaming Hot Cheetos. I just saw, there's a movie out on this. Oh, give me another well, card. Okay, A, food scientist, B, janitor, C, product safety specialist, or D, CEO. B, janitor. Yes. And there's a movie out now on Netflix about him. And he somehow created the Flaming Hot brand. Which, All right. Ty loves, my grandson Ty loves uh, the hot stuff. Regional dishes. This spicy curry from the Indian state of Goa is often made with pork and always tarted up with vinegar, a throwback to the region's Portuguese colonial past, the spicy curry. And is that uh, vinegar and A, thiol, T-H-I-Y-A-L, B, vindaloo, C, korma, or D, Parta. Good luck. God. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Um, ding, oh, I'm thinking, I'm thinking. D. B, Vindaloo. Vindaloo. It sounds like somebody's name. <laughs> I like Vindaloo. It's a spicy curry. It's. You knew about it? Yeah, I knew oh, about gee, Vindaloo. Oh, gee, spite me. <laughs> All right. So we uh, listened at the beginning of the show, a little snip of End It With Hello. And uh, we're going to have Georgette uh, talk about that song a little bit. Uh, Bobby Braddock wrote so many hit songs, both for uh, George Jones and Tammy Wynette and others. And uh, she was lucky enough to have him give his blessing to having her record this song called End It With Hello, which I think is just beautiful. And then we're going to, right after her interview, we're going to listen to I Know What You Did Last Night. It's her duet with Vince Gill, and it's a great song. And that's a great story that she has about him, it's too. It's a great story. And uh, she, well, I'm not going to, again, not going to give it away, but uh, when Vince Gill comes, I mean, she sings so nice on that. And then Vince comes in, and he just, uh, at 11, he did, wow. And then we're going to end our show with the um, uh, end up with hello that we already listened to a snip of at the beginning. We're going to listen to that song in its perfect. entirety. Perfect. I think that's great. It's worthy of it. 
I mean, oh. we don't want. I mean, she is a fabulous singer songwriter in her own right. Yep. And even though you know she comes from country music royalty, she is right up there on her own. She so. really is. She's terrific and and as nice as they come. Uh, and I look forward to uh, having her back on the show. She said absolutely, didn't she? Oh, definitely. And I wish we lived closer to her. I think oh, we could all be good friends. We'd be friends. We would be buddies. She is a real sweetheart. So let's get on to our interview with Georgette Jones. So I can't tell you how excited I am to uh, be talking with Georgette Jones. Uh, if you don't know Georgette's name, you may have heard of her mom and dad, George Jones and Tammy Wynette. Welcome, Georgette. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me. Well, it's our pleasure, indeed. And uh, we got in touch because I got a press release about something called Apple Sin Whiskey. What can you tell me about Apple Sin Whiskey? Yes, I'm actually really very proud of it. Um, to be honest, um, I was not a big whiskey fan. Um, I just didn't really like the flavor of it. My husband absolutely hated the flavor of it. But we got a phone call from my partner. His name is Spencer Ballantyne, and he's from Kentucky. And he gave me a call because he had done some work with some other people that I know. And he just wanted to know if we could take a meeting and just let him kind of give me his spiel about what he thought we should do. And we did because, you know, he seemed like a really nice guy. He brought his whole family. And we had a great dinner. And in that process, he basically said that he had a recipe that was 103 years old from his great-grandfather. And it was for a whiskey recipe that he wanted to tweak and make like an apple cinnamon variety of that. And he thought it would be cool to pair with someone like me um, so that we could work together um, to try to launch it, you know, for marketing purposes. So I thought, well, I'm not a really big whiskey fan, so I'm not sure that I'd want to do that. And he's like, well, how about if we make it and then you taste it and you like it, we'll go forward. If not, no problem, no harm done, and we'll just part ways. And I said, well, that's fair enough. So uh, he actually, his great-grandfather, like I said, he took this recipe and added very natural apple cinnamon flavors. It's a bit more apple and a little bit of cinnamon, but it's a high 72-proof um drink that actually doesn't taste too sweet. I think that was another one of my things. I didn't want to go flavored whiskey and it be so sweet. You know, I just, I'm not a big sweet fan either for when it comes to alcohol. But um, he made it and we tasted it. And even my husband, who absolutely hates whiskey, thought it was delicious. So um, we decided to move forward and it's been really exciting. All the progress we've made in the last couple of years, it kind of started during the pandemic and now we have distribution for the state of Kentucky. We're just getting into all the stores in the western part of Kentucky moving around. Our um, distillery is Silent Brigade Distillery out of Paducah, Kentucky. And um, you know, my partner Spencer also has LBL Moonshine and they have other things that they sell. But we're just really happy. We've, we've been very lucky. We won three gold medals for the International Sip Awards for 21 and 22 and became most innovative and best flavored whiskey. So we're, we're really very proud of the progress we've made um, so far. Congratulations. I look forward to tasting it. And I went to uh, uh, the website and it said out of stock. Well, and if you do me a favor, if you after this, if you give me your address, um, I'll make sure that we get you a bottle. As long as you're not in the state of Tennessee or Delaware, we can ship it anywhere else. I'm so in California, we'll and we would love that. And my partner, Kat, has a, a company called Sassy Mamas, and she makes boutique mustards. And uh, oh, wow. I'll bet she could come up with something amazing with apple sin. I would love oh, to I would try love that. that. So, oh, yeah, let me... Let, 
Let me know for sure because we actually are going to launch a contest. We haven't officially done it yet, but we are going to launch a contest um, where we have people send in recipes and let us try them and taste them and see who can win um, for like a recipe using the apple cinnamon whiskey because um, we have people who have told us that they've marinated ribs in it, that they pour a little shot over some vanilla ice cream or they, you know, there's lots of varieties of different things people have told us about. So uh, I would love to, you know, taste it with anything you want to pair it with. That'd be awesome. That, well, you got a deal. We will uh, send you a bottle, at least a bottle or two. Thank you. That'd be great. Now your dad played uh, part of the inspiration for the apple sin whiskey, didn't he? Well, I mean, I know my, my dad actually, you know, I wouldn't, I didn't want to put his name or his, um, you know, likeness or anything on there just because, you know, my dad obviously had issues with alcohol right. in the past, you know, so I didn't want to do anything like that. Um, I didn't want to put my mom's, you know, name or face on there either. Um, we're just really using my name and kind of gearing it towards that. But, um, you know, my dad obviously, he loved the whiskey growing up. But like but, we just, as a family, found out later that yeah, you know, it really doesn't metabolize well <laughs> with us. <laughs> loved it a little too much. Yeah, that's but, the thing. But, but didn't, you know. he, didn't he have his own whiskey at one point? Didn't he launch a whiskey? Or am I... Well, after after he passed away, um, my stepmother did launch a, I think it's Moonshine and Vodka that okay. she launched um, in his name. She sure did, yes. Now, I just finished watching uh, George and Tammy on Showtime, and that was uh, based uh, a lot on your book, The Three of Us. So um, how were you, were you pleased with the end result? Absolutely. You know, nothing's going to be 100% no matter who does it. Um, there's only a few little minor discrepancies. For instance, um, some of the things that may have happened might have been a little bit out of time sequence at times, one or two things. And then, like, of course, the band members changed throughout all of those decades. And they, they for the sake of, a, of six episodes, didn't change all the band members who were there at different times for stuff for the scenes. But other than that, to be honest, I mean, it really was very accurate and very truthful. And um, I was very impressed with how much effort and research they put in. We started, you know, almost, I guess, a decade ago. Wow. Um, in 2013, I got my first phone call about it. And so we went from there. And Jessica Chastain signed on even before they approached me. And I was so grateful to her for staying on board the entire time. And she actually really worked hard to make sure that they would keep this an honest story and not try to change things to kind of, you know, Hollywood things up just for ratings. So I was very grateful to everyone, Abe Sylvia, the writer, Andrew Lazar, who produced, and um, just so many people who really put a lot of extra time and effort for it. So we were very pleased with the end result. It certainly wasn't sugar-coated. No, no, no. And that's the thing. I know a lot of people said... You know, it was really hard to watch, and they thought it made my dad look bad. And I said, it, it doesn't. I think it looks like my dad is a normal person who fought demons, and it was very difficult for him. But he overcame that in the end. And that's the important thing, I think, for people to see is that, you know, as much as they may idolize or look up to some of their heroes or people they admire, we are all just human. We all make mistakes. And, you know, I think we all have to really search ourselves and fight hard for that better result in the end. And I'm just very proud that he was able to find his sobriety in the end. Uh, it is a happy ending. It didn't look uh, at the onset like it would have a happy ending, but uh, you had some quality years with him, didn't you? Yes, we really did. You know, we, we it was difficult in the beginning, of course, and I'm sure for you and anyone else who's seen the series, you know, I, I went from being, you know, feeling lonely, and then I realized later one day, I wish somebody had really 
uh, sat down and told me some things when it came to why he stayed away from me. But I, I found out and realized years later, especially after being a parent, he was trying to protect me from seeing him in the condition he was in so many times. And so um, the fact that we didn't get to see each other a lot when I was growing up turned out to be more of my dad really trying to protect me and not trying to avoid me. Um, and, you know, when you're a kid, you just don't understand those things. Um, so I really appreciate the fact that when my mom died, um, he was there for me when I needed him the absolute most. I was only 27 when mom passed. Mm. And so he really stepped up, you know, when nobody else went with us, me and my sisters, uh, my my dad went with us to the funeral home to pick out flowers and a, and a casket. My dad went with us to do all of these things um, that were, are so difficult when someone you care about passes away. And, you know, he was not the kind of person who went to funerals as a regular, you know, thing because it was very difficult for him. It was very uncomfortable for him. Um, but he went to both of my moms, both the public and private funeral. And he really stepped up and was there for me and helped me through a horrible time. And we were able to mend our relationship at that point. And it just, it meant the entire world to me. That's really very touching. Now your mom had her demons too. Toward the end, had she gotten clean or was she in trouble? Well, she, her problem, I mean, she didn't, it was so complicated to try to explain, but basically for my mom, my mom, I think she saw things so much differently than my dad, only because uh, in her day and age, which I get because I was a registered nurse for 17 years, but um, in her day and age, when you went to the doctor and you told them your problem, you just did what they said, and you really didn't ask a lot of questions, and you assumed that their treatment was always accurate and good and healthy because it's your doctor. Uh, my mom had real medical problems that caused her terrible pain, and it was a vicious circle. She'd have surgery and then she'd end up having scar tissue um, from that surgery and the scar tissue would cause blockages and problems with her being able to eat properly. So they'd have to do surgery again. So it was just a really vicious circle. It wasn't anything, you know, that they considered to be fatal, but it was certainly chronic and something she had to deal with for her entire life. But because of that, it was really hard for her um, pain management wise because she did have real pain. Uh, so unfortunately, she wasn't entirely clean when she passed away. But I know that, you know, in mom's heart, she was fighting more than just a demon. She was fighting, you know, physical agony. She was in a lot of pain. Uh, Georgette, I, I'm just really curious. You know, you started off. First off, I wanted to say I applaud you for being who you are today. You, you grew up oh, with you. famous parents and you've created a name and your own music all on on your own. You're your Thank own you. person. And I, I think you. that's great. Now, that means so much. Um, I, I'm curious, you, you started off at a young age uh, singing. I think you were three, ten years old. Yes, ma'am. At three years old, I started singing on stage, and I did my first record with my dad when I was ten. Now, yes, at, at three, oh, you could, yes, I, know, I know three-year-olds that can barely carry a tune, so <laughs> I think it's probably being immersed in it, totally surrounded by that. So I'm sure that that's why maybe at that age I was able to do that. <laughs> Did your parents coach you from day one on uh, singing and carrying a tune? Or? You know, I don't know that it was really coaching, but they certainly encouraged it. I mean, I think they both had such a passion for music that um, any of us children who were interested in it, they always fostered that. They really wanted us to, to um, enjoy it as much as they did. And, you know, my mom actually... Um, 
when she was born, my biological grandfather passed away when she was only eight months old, and he played mm-hmm. multiple instruments and was a singer as well. And that was his mm-hmm. wish for my grandmother to make sure that when because he, he had a brain tumor, they knew he was going to pass away, and so they he made my grandmother promise to give her music lessons because um, it was important to him. And um, you know, for my mom, it was I know she's like I wish that he would have been able to see what she was able to do with what talent you know he he gave her. You know, so it was pretty special to my mom. Oh, that's great. Now, what what made you to decide uh, to, to decide to go into nursing to become an RN? Is it from you your, know, your parents' medical issues? I know some people do that. Um, yes, ma'am. I think that was definitely part of it. I, I had a lot of experiences within about a two two year period of time that certainly pushed me into that direction. Um, I graduated high school when I was only sixteen, and um, that year. Before I graduated, I went with a group, um, with our church group, to Haiti, and we went on a mission trip for two weeks. And we two weeks, and they taught me how to give shots. We had like a medical triage and a whole thing set up where we provided care for people who couldn't get care. And that was my first initial, um, you know, entrance into you know looking at things like that. And then my grandfather passed away when I was only seventeen, and he was really like my mm-hmm. second father. And um, him being sick just suddenly out of nowhere. Um, it just kind of came on and happened so quickly. I certainly was very interested. So by the time I went through all of those things, um, you know, I really was, was in college at the time trying to figure out what I wanted to do. And, and I had several cousins who were in nursing and they said, why don't you just see if you like it? I'm like, well, I guess I could take a class. I just didn't know if it would be for me or not. And when I took the first class, it was really immediately a, this is really, I love this. I, I enjoy helping people. I enjoy the study of, of these different things. Biological sciences was really interesting to me. So I was really happy to do it. And I enjoyed being a nurse the whole 17 years I did it. I, I miss it a lot at times, um, taking care of people and, and doing what I did. But it, it was a wonderful job to have. I loved it. I bet a lot of your patients were amazed when they when you told them who your parents were. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will tell you, it was kind of funny because I'm sure I'm sure some of the people I worked with they may have gotten annoyed at a time or two, probably because uh, you know when when you get busy and you're trying to run around and do your job, and then we would have people sometimes randomly showing up trying to find. They knew I worked there, and they were trying to find me, so they wouldn't say what they wanted until they they get me at the nurse's desk and then they'd hand me some CDs and songs to give oh to my, my dad or something. <laughs> so, you know, was kind of, it was always kind of funny because people would know my, um, my name badge, my first name is actually Tamala. So right. on my name badge, it says Tamala. So most people wouldn't figure it out. They would, you know, at some point, someone would say, oh, Tamala's actually Georgette. That's who you're looking for. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and I had a friend who, whose gynecologist assistant, I think was a member of the CalCells. And she kept her, her claim to fame was, oh, my, uh, a member of the council's helped deliver my baby. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's awesome. <laughs> it was pretty funny. I was like, the council's of everybody. <laughs> what, what, oh, my. What memories do you have of, of recording with your dad? Uh, I know you did your first duet with him when you were 10. Yes, I actually have some wonderful memories with that, with that because we did two songs together. And the first one when I was 10, of course, Daddy Come Home was written by Bobby Braddock. Yeah. And first of all, he's just such an incredible writer and a, a dream to be able to sing one of his songs because he's just that talented. But it was almost like he was in my brain. I mean, when you listen to the words of this song, I meant every single word that came out of my mouth because I just, at 10 years old, all I wanted was for my mom and dad to be back together. I just loved them both and, you know, wanted that to happen. So, 
you listen to the end of that song where I say that last come home, I mean, it's, it's almost pitiful as an adult now when I hear it. Yeah. I'm like, wow, I really, I, I put it all into that last little phrase there. But um, he was very sweet and encouraging. And if you want to see something hilarious, go try to see us, us performing this together on the HBO special my dad did because I found out right before I went out on stage that it was being televised. And I, at the oh. time, I didn't know I had ever been on TV before. So I, I panicked. I looked at my mom. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I don't know if I can do it. It's on TV. And mom kind of grabbed me by both my shoulders. She's like, honey, it's going to be just fine. Your daddy wants you to sing with him. That's what you're going to do. And that's all you need to think about. It's all going to be fine. Just go out there and sing with your dad. So if you look, I have deer in the headlight look. I'm just staring at the camera in the most horrible panic you've ever seen on anybody's face. But my dad is being so sweet and holding my hand and trying to kiss my forehead. You could tell he's really going hard trying to help me relax and not be so nervous. But um, the second time we recorded, he did something so very sweet for me. I wrote a song called You and Me in Time because oh, I, 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 I wrote that for him as we re you know, fix, we fix our relationship and it just, I wanted to express to him how much that meant to me and how special that was for me. So a couple of my friends and I, Don Frimmer and Mark McGuinn wrote the song together and, um, I was so happy that he liked it. And then he actually wanted to sing it with me. So we did this as a duet. And when he went in to record his part, um, he had to go in separately for me because he had been on tour when I went in to go record. And so he was walking up the stairs at Keith Stegall's office and didn't realize the awning was broken. broken. And so he had turned around to, to say something to Nancy and it didn't see it. And it pushed him back. He broke his wrist, yeah. had to have surgery. Uh-huh. I mean, but he went in, he went in there to record before going to the hospital to have surgery just to put this one little line on the end for me that I love you, darling, at the end of that song. Uh-huh. He wanted to put on as a surprise for me. And so it just meant the world to me that he did that. It was awfully special. You were just the picture on my baby grand. Yours was in my wallet. I showed to all my friends But the world rolled in between us Keeping us apart Thank God we discovered We're still joined at the heart You Kept you in my prayers 
No matter where they took me Hon, you were always such a touching song it just makes the hair on my arm stand up i, I absolutely love it thank and, you i appreciate that that means a lot because that is very special to me and i want to talk about your skin album that's your latest release correct yes and actually it seems so crazy to think it's my latest and we put it out in 26 i think 2016 is when we finished it um so what we're actually planning on doing right now we're actually making a special edition we have a couple of new songs and i'm going to put some commentary before each of the songs and kind of give you all a little bit of of where things came from and how we you know did things with the project so i'm going to do a special edition of that project um later this year so i'm really thrilled about that but the skin with the title track is also something I'm very proud of. It's a song that I wrote, and yes. um, so it means the world to me to have um, that album out. We were talking about Bobby Braddock earlier, and the song ended with Hello. Oh, my God, Georgette, it's gorgeous. 
Oh, thank you. And see, that's one reason I'll have to tell you the story. Um, you know, Buddy Cannon, who, of course, is a phenomenal producer, and it was such a wonderful friend of my dad's. And um, he called me a few years back, and I won't give the details of names, so nobody will get their feelings hurt. But he had called to see if I would be interested in uh, doing a four-song demo CD, which he would present to Sony at the time. Um, and see if they could get me a record deal. And he spoke to the head of the company at that time, who's not there now. But when he told him and he let him listen to some things that I'd done, he said, oh, I really like her voice. He said, but if you bring anything to country, I can't take it to country radio, <laughs> which sounds insane. I know, I know. But, you know, of course, Buddy didn't want to produce something pop on me or something that wasn't me. But this is a song, End It With Hello, that he had been saving just for that because he thought it was amazing. So when I finally was able to make my own CD in 2016, I asked Bobby if, if I could sing the song because it hadn't been officially cut by anybody else yet. And he gave me permission to do so. I'm just thrilled because it, it made me happy. Number one, the song's beautiful. But number two, just to have a song written by Bobby Braddock mm. with so much that he has done for both my parents in the past. It just meant the world for, you know, for me to be able to have that on there, too. By the way, Georgette, I know what you did last night. <laughs> Me and Vince. Huh? <laughs> what a great song. And what, what was it like working with Vince? Oh, my gosh. First of all, Vince Gill is just probably one of the nicest, funniest, you know, best people on this planet. He just is. And um, my dad adored him. He adored my dad. And that just makes him even extra special in my eyes. Um, and we had no idea. We knew he was really busy. We didn't think that this was ever going to happen. I had a wish list on that last CD because I thought I'm only going to get to make one album myself ever in my life. I can't really afford to make a lot of albums on my own. So I talked to my producer who was Dean Miller, by the way, Roger Miller's son. Wow. And uh, who was very talented. He actually did one of the duets with me on the, on the CD. Right. a couple of songs on there he wrote so we were talking about it and he said if you could do anything you wanted to do you know what would you do and i said well first of all i'd have a duet with merle haggard and then i'd have one with vince gill <laughs> i was like and then i would you know i would do all these other things and so we actually had it set up where i was going to do the duet i did with him make a little love i was going to do that with merle haggard he had agreed to do it but unfortunately became too ill right. to be able to record um, but just the thought that he said yes means everything. You know, it just was wonderful. But with Vince, he had, uh, Dean had sent a message to management. And, of course, he was so busy that they had told Dean that they really didn't think that he'd be able to do it. Because, unfortunately, he just had a really busy year. He was, you know, gonna, about to be an eagle. You know, he was already working right. with time jumpers. And he already had his own amazing career. So he just was super busy. So I kind of let that go in my head and didn't worry. And a, a couple of weeks later... Dean sent me uh, a recorded message and said, I sent you something you might want to say, but go ahead and listen to it. Then you can call me back. And I'm like, huh? So, okay. <laughs> so I listened to it. And it was it was amazing. Vince was calling Dean back and just saying, hey, yeah, I'd love to record with Georgette. You know, send me whatever. I'll work it in. It might be April before we can do it. This was like January or February. And it's so funny because I told Dean, I said, he has no idea. I'd, I'd wait five years. Yeah. <laughs> I could record it, you know, much less a few months. Like, I'm just thrilled. So he was great to, to help me out and do that. And I, of course, think he sounded amazing. He's probably my all other, Merle Haggard and Vince Gill, other than my parents, are probably my favorite all-time artists. So he, that was just a dream come true. He did not phone that one in, did he? Oh, no, he did not. I mean, he absolutely wow. put it all in it. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. and, he, and he did it just as a favor to be kind, you know. And I, I just, not many people do that this, these days. They just don't. So it was really extra nice and special for him to do that.
And you have a duet with Dale Watson. I understand he's quite the character. Oh my gosh, yes, and he's great. Like, I actually met Dale for the first time back in 2012. My husband is a steel guitar player, and he and I went to Japan. My husband was going to be playing in the house band um, for everybody, and it was me and Rick Trevino and Dale Watson. And he was just, he was awesome. I mean, he's, of course, amazingly talented, and I love the fact that he loves traditional music, and he started the Ameripolitan Awards and so many other things to try to preserve um, our music, and I just think it's fantastic what he's done he's great i don't want to take up too much more of your time but i I would like to talk uh, about your uh tribute to your mom at the opry uh that was this past april wasn't it Yes. I mean, it just was so special to us because, um, you know, typically in the past, you know, um, it's been a long time since our mom passed away and, you know, we, we didn't usually get invited for things like that. So the fact that the opry recognized our family and asked us to participate in such a beautiful tribute to her on the day that she passed. It just was a very special moment. It meant so much to me, number one, for mom, but also as an artist to be invited to the Opry. It's just, it's it's a big thing. It, at least it is for me. People like me who still remember how special the Opry has always been for the roots of country music. Mm-hmm. It meant so much to be able to sing on that stage where so many other people, you know, have been and sang before me. So for night for mom and and the Gatlins were there you know two of the Gatlin brothers actually sang backup and worked for mom before they joined Larry you know Steve and Rudy actually worked for mom before they joined Larry and became the Gatlin brothers and mom loved having them sing with her in the band because they were so talented so it just was really an extra special night having family friends and my husband and I had both played the Opry but never together so that night we got to play together he got to play with me with the Opry band so I just can't even say there's so many things that made it an extra special night. I was privileged to go to the Ryman several years ago, and I tell you, walking in, you feel this whole reverence towards everybody oh, who played there. It's, it's an entirely different feeling, and I'm yes. not really, I can't, I, I'm more of a, excuse me, more of a rock and roll person <laughs> than I am country, although I do love country, I do appreciate it, but going there to the Ryman, um, I just felt so humbled. By, by the 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 spirits, the everything of everybody who's ever played there, it was an incredible experience. I agree with you on that. I think if people, even if you don't like country music, honestly, it's still such a wonderful place to go visit. They have so many things there for you to see and hear about. The Country Music Hall of Fame, too, if anybody ever goes to Nashville, it's a, it's a must-see because there's so much there, and, and it's just amazing what they've done. They've actually made it look so beautiful. So I was Nashville there. has a lot of his, rich history there, for sure. I, I went to the to that, too. It, it was I, I love Nashville. Um, in fact, I thought if I could have made make a living there I would have moved there many years ago <laughs> <laughs> I can understand that it certainly has had a lot of, of um, newcomers in the last decade it's it's grown so much it's mm. not even the same Nashville it used to be anymore oh I know there's a lot of uh, musicians from out here in LA that I know have moved to Nashville and they're, they're not country either they're they're rock and roll and so I, I was oh, really yeah. surprised yeah. to see how many are actually moving out there it's it's rapidly becoming more of instead of a country capital, a a total music capital. 
Absolutely. I mean, I think that's one reason why they probably very wisely in the beginning named it Music City rather than just like Country Music City or Country something. But they did. We have a huge, um, you know, rock and R&B presence. There's lots of different kinds of music all throughout Nashville. And of course, traditionally, country, you know, is known for being there. But you're right. It really has expanded and become, you know, much more um, diverse with music. I know my initials are carved on some someplace out there. <laughs> it, it was a, well, you gotta do it. <laughs> yeah, it was. A, I think it was Crazy Cat from Cali. It was was what was carved on there. But yeah, I have such great memories of going there. I'd love to go back there again sometime. It, it's just, it was just beautiful there. And, well, and it really, uh, Tennessee, I think, you know, we live at, we moved from Tennessee to Alabama again here this last year, but I mean, Tennessee is just a beautiful state. It really is. It's it's just, a, a, will always be a sentimental place for me and, and another home away from home. Oh, definitely. Uh, do you have any tours planned or are you just going to keep producing these beautiful um, album or CDs that you're coming up with? Well, we actually have a little of both. We've started getting really busy this year, which is exciting for me because I get to promote both my mom and dad's music and my own. So it's really nice that we're we're going to have shows where we do more tribute things, but we also are going to have shows where I can do a bit more of my own thing. So it's been a really exciting year planning those things. Um, but we also have so many other projects. My mom had a cookbook out many years ago. And my husband and I do, or we do a lot of digital creative type things online, on my Facebook page, on Instagram and different places. So once a month, we do a recipe out of my mom's cookbook on my Facebook page and we go live and we do that. And it was so popular. So many people have really asked about it and enjoyed it. And unfortunately, because her cookbook's so much older, it's hard for people to find. So I think what we've decided to do, and we're just in the process of putting it together, um, we're going to do a Jones Lynette family cookbook you know my mom's cookbook was just really from my mom's family for the majority of those recipes coming from mississippi and alabama but my dad being from texas and he had a lot of louisiana style um flair for the food that they grew up on so kind of a texas louisiana style cookbook mixed with mississippi and alabama so my um nephew who unfortunately passed away this last month was a chef for many many years and he has some incredibly delicious recipes so we're gonna include those on the jones family side for the cookbook and i am you know i'm excited to be able to dedicate the book to him because he was in our family certainly the best best cook of all of us he was trained to do so but we're excited about that along with many music projects yet to come well i sure hope if you go on tour that you come out this way out to uh Temecula Valley area because we'd sure love to see you out here in Southern California. I would love it. In fact, you know, it's my dream. I'm hoping, if not this year, maybe next year. I really want to get out there and do some stuff towards Bakersfield and kind of work my way yes. up and down, you know, all through California because it's beautiful out that way. And we'd really love to be able to bring our music out there for sure. We'd love to Hopefully see you. Hopefully I'll get a chance to meet you all. I would oh, love that. Would That'd love be great. That Georgetta, cannot thank you enough for your time. And I hope we can do it again someday. Absolutely, and thank you both for um, taking the time to call me and to invite me to be a part of it. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you very much. We really enjoyed this. Thank you. Have a great day. Boy, what were you thinking all about howling and a drinking? I know what you did last night. Turning across the floor like I've never seen before.
What do you say after that? There's not. I mean, it just blows you away. That music, that interview, everything. So, it's just fabulous. Can't thank Georgette enough for her time. And I mean, she was so gracious. She spent a, a good, good half an hour on the phone with us. And if we didn't have another interview, she I know we could have gone longer with her. Well, we need to just set up another interview. Yeah. Get her back in a couple of months. And she did say she's going to send a, a bottle of her uh, uh, apple sin. So apple sin. We'll let you make something sassy with it. And Definitely. That'll be a good one. I can't wait. I can't wait either. So thank you so much for listening to Chords, Vines, and Dines. And uh, we'll see you next week. All right. Why does true love always have to end? It makes me a bit reluctant to begin. Baby, maybe goodbye should comfort. should do this in reverse I'll start out getting over you Then maybe cry a year or two Watch you drive away real slow Hold you close and beg you Baby, please don't go I'll ask you if there's something wrong
Hi, this is Robert Rankin-Walker. You're listening to Chords and Vines on 10 Temecula Entertainment Network.